0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by Community Pastor, Carrie Ladisur as we continue the series, What Do Christians Really Believe? Remember, you can always find us on Sundays, streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Halloween was last week. How many of you had kids who went trick-or-treating? Tell us in the chat. Okay, great, how many of you gave out candy? I hope you were the good neighbor and gave out the good candy. No kid really wants the pretzels or toothbrush, right? But now the real question, how many of you have eaten a tremendous amount of candy and are now regretting that decision? No need to raise your hand, I'm with you on this one. I just can't say no to Butterfingers. Halloween has become a tradition here in America where kids and often adults dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for candy. For some ethnic groups and in other parts of the world, Halloween is associated with ghosts and goblins and the spirit world. Whether you look at Halloween as an excuse to dress up and eat candy or as a spooky day, I believe for many people in America, the popularity of this day has a lot to do with our interest in the supernatural. Whether you are young or have accumulated a few years, we've all been intrigued at some point in our lives with the supernatural. How many of you remember hearing the sound of suspense coming from the TV when the X-Files was about to start? That sound still makes me nervous. Or any 90s kids remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And what else can bring together generations, like being able to see a group of 80s kids fight aliens as the show Stranger Things does? I'm sure I'm not the only one who can't wait for the next season to start. The reason I mention this is because I really do believe we are captivated by thoughts of the supernatural. And that's part of what makes what we're gonna talk about today so intriguing and really important. Over these eight weeks, we've been talking about what we believe as a church community. What we believe is a true story about King Jesus and His kingdom community. And in this true story, there's a mysterious supernatural character called the Holy Spirit. As Christ followers, we often talk about the Father and His love for us. Most of us can understand the embrace of the Father. We talk about Jesus and His sacrifice on the cross. We can grasp and understand Jesus as our Savior. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we see a mysterious and often misunderstood member of the Trinity. And because of that, we don't often know what to do with the Holy Spirit. If I'm honest with you, in my upbringing, the Spirit was also the person of the Trinity that was most likely to be abused or made to be weird. I'm not trying to make fun of anyone, and I would never ridicule a genuine manifestation of the Holy Spirit. There were times at the church we occasionally tended growing up where people would be shaking or falling down, and I was left feeling unsettled and unsure of what was happening. Other times, I have had moments, maybe you have as well, where someone would approach me and say that the Spirit led them to tell me something but it seemed more like maybe they wanted to tell me something. It is because of experiences like these that many Christ followers tap out when it comes to understanding and experiencing the Holy Spirit. I suspected I wasn't alone in this wrestling and just read a study that shows some 62% of self-identified Christians contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being but is merely a symbol of God's power or presence or purity. Whatever your perceptions are of the Holy Spirit, and irrespective of the reasons you may struggle to know what to believe, I'm excited to dive into the mystery together today as we wrestle with this question, who is the Holy Spirit? I think we'll discover the Spirit plays a vital role in the story of King Jesus and His kingdom community. Let's unpack what the text says about who the Spirit is and what role the Spirit wants to play in our lives. To begin, let's remind ourselves where we are in the story. Last week was all about Jesus. Jesus came and lived among us and announced that the kingdom of God was breaking into the world. He died, was buried, and after three days, Jesus was resurrected. After his resurrection, Jesus extended a commissioning to his followers and then returned to the Father in heaven. But before he left earth, Jesus promised his followers that he would send another to be with them and to carry forward the work that he began with them. Listen to the words of Jesus as he talks to his apprentices. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I love what Jesus says here. Remember the context of what is happening here. Jesus is about to be arrested and then die on the cross, and here he is comforting his apprentices. They are unsure of what's happening to Jesus and what will happen to them. They know they have more to accomplish, and they know that Jesus is remarkable. Why would He leave? It's in this context that Jesus tells them, look, I have to go, but the Father is sending you the Spirit who will help you and be with you forever. Later, Jesus even says it would be for their benefit that He leaves so the Spirit could come. This was a huge deal. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's a lot to learn. I wanna share with you what I think is most important for us to know and understand about the Spirit today with these three words, person, present, and power. Let's take a look at each one. In scripture, we see images that represent the Holy Spirit. We read where the Spirit is described as a dove when Jesus was baptized or like a fire when the Spirit descended on Pentecost, or even as a wind in John 3. But it is important for us to know that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Spirit is not an it, a fire, a dove, a wind, not even a human, but rather a person. Throughout Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit demonstrate this capacity to relate to other beings as a person. For example, in Acts 13, 2, the Spirit can communicate. In some mysterious way, the Spirit communicates wisdom and direction to us. And in Ephesians four thirty, like a person, the Spirit feels emotions— Paul says the Spirit can feel grieved. These qualities of personhood tell us that the Spirit is relational. The Spirit is not some impersonal force somewhere out there in the universe. The Spirit is not an energy that we try to tap into when things aren't going our way. The Spirit is a person. And the Holy Spirit isn't just any person, but a divine person. Sometimes we think of the Spirit as a less prominent person in the Trinity than the Father or Jesus. It's like we put the Spirit in the supporting actor category at the Oscars. Author Francis Chan goes even further and says, the Spirit is the forgotten God. But the Holy Spirit is a divine person who like the Father and Jesus possesses the qualities and attributes of God Because the Spirit is God. Theologian Graham Cole writes The Holy Spirit is as much deity as the Father as is the Son, but distinct as a person from both. The Spirit is a person, a divine person, the third person of the Trinity. Not only is the Spirit a relational person, but the Spirit is also uniquely present. See, from the very beginning, all the way back in Genesis, during the creation story, the Spirit was there. In Genesis 1-2, we read that the Spirit was hovering over the unformedness and the pre-created world— The Spirit is present at the beginning of our human story as the world is shaped and formed and is actively engaged in the work and plans of God. As we move forward through the Old Testament, the Spirit moves in and through people to accomplish the things that were meant to help bring the world back to God. People such as Moses, Samson, and David, this old era was characterized by the Spirit's selective, limited influence on specific individuals, primarily kings, judges, and prophets. We learn, though, through a prophet in the Old Testament, God shared there was going to be a new era, a new way that the Spirit would be present in the future. This prophet says this, "'I will pour out my Spirit on all people.'" Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Joel wrote of a coming future that would be marked by a new way of living, one where everyone would have access to the Spirit— a new age where all of God's people would have all of the spirit that they would ever need. The truth was then echoed and expanded through the words of Jesus when he says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And then it happened— On a day we know as Pentecost, in Acts chapter two, verses one through four, the Spirit came upon people in a new way. Many people think that the Spirit didn't really arrive until Pentecost. You know, that crazy time where there were tongues of fire and people were speaking in foreign languages that they didn't know, and then thousands of people found their way back to God. But this wasn't the first time the Holy Spirit moved. This was just a time that powerfully revealed a new way that the Spirit was going to be present in the lives of people. Prior to this moment, the Spirit came and went, a a lot like the wind blows, there one moment and gone the next. But at Pentecost— The Spirit of God, the Spirit was there at the beginning, the the Spirit that moved throughout history, that powerful Holy Spirit has now come to rest on and dwell within every follower of Jesus. And here's the kicker. That same Holy Spirit is present in you today. The Spirit of God is present in the life of every Christ follower. We live in the new era of the Spirit, the, a post-Jesus resurrected era. Now the Holy Spirit is with and within every follower of Jesus. You might be thinking, okay, I get to have a personal relationship with God through the Spirit and a confidence that the Spirit will always be present with me. Let's be honest, this is already pretty mind-blowing stuff if God had just stopped there, but He didn't. Prior to Jesus leaving earth, He promises us something more. He promised His followers power. Jesus said to his followers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus promises that his followers will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in them. We could get sidetracked here, looking at all the ways that power gets manifested, and we'll have to save that for an upcoming series. Instead, today, let's focus on the end goal of this power. The Spirit empowers God's people to follow Jesus in the ways of His kingdom— Jesus knew that to live the way he wanted us to live would be too much for us on our own. And so he asked the Father to send the Spirit to empower us. So how does the Spirit empower us? Think of your ability to live out your best kingdom life like a balloon. There are two ways to keep a balloon afloat. If you fill a balloon with your breath, The only way to keep it in the air is to continually smack it upward. That's how religion keeps you motivated. It repeatedly hits you, right? Stop doing this. Do more of this. Be more generous. Love people really well this week. And then maybe you do that for a week. Every day you attempt to smack your actions into spiritual orbit. Let's be honest. This is an exhausting way to live. But there's another way to keep a balloon afloat. Fill it with helium, then it floats on its own, no smacking required. Our lives and efforts are meant to be empowered by a supernatural filling of the Spirit, like helium that keeps us soaring spiritually. How freeing and refreshing to realize the kingdom life is not fueled by my best efforts, but rather by the Spirit of God in me. You see, we don't need another to-do list, more motivation to try harder. We need freedom from this performance-based picture of Christianity and some real life-transforming kingdom-anointed power. And that is exactly what we get through the Spirit. As theologian Tom Wright says, what God's people are promised is power. The word used here is dynamis, from which we get dynamite. We need that power just as Jesus' first followers did if we or they are to be His witnesses, to find ways of announcing to the world that He is already its rightful King and Lord. Now we're talking, right? A God-sized mission for us that comes with a relational, ever-present spirit who gives us dynamite-type power. If we live this way, we will see walls of division come down strongholds in people's lives demolished and the kingdom of God flourish around us. You have this in you. All of us who follow Jesus have the spirit of power in us. But this power is not a unilateral commitment. The spirit is not the genie in the bottle you call upon in dire circumstances to do your bidding. The spirit requires something of you, something of me. Dependence. Think of it this way <laughs> Imagine I buy a treadmill to lose some weight. Yet three months later, I take it back to the store and complain to the clerk that it just didn't work. I didn't lose a pound. He says, What was the problem? Did it not work properly? And I respond, I don't know if it works. I never ran on it. I just know I didn't lose any weight, so I'm done with it. This is how some of us treat the Holy Spirit. The Spirit can become for us what Francis Chan said, the forgotten God. Maybe you've said or thought some of these things. I'm sure the Spirit lives in me, but I've never fully engaged the Spirit or my life is so full I can just easily forget about the Spirit, or I have never put myself in a place of truly needing the power of the Spirit. Family, this way of living is a far cry from dependence. But don't despair. Dependence on the Spirit is an ongoing pursuit. God has given us a gift, and then we have to play our part in receiving it. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul implores each one of us to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and to keep in step with the Spirit. Notice this is active participation with the Spirit, that the Spirit is in the lead. We just need to stay close by. I'd like to suggest a simple practice to grow in your dependence on the Spirit this week. There's a prayer that's been prayed in various ways and in varying circumstances for literally thousands of years, one we have even prayed here before. I invite you to pray this prayer throughout your day over the next week. It's one that we can all memorize together right now. It's simply this, come Holy Spirit. Let these words remind you that the person of the Holy Spirit is present with you and ready to give you the power to walk in the ways of God's kingdom. What would be different if we truly did this? We could see friends, neighbors, coworkers that are so far from God find their way back to Him. We could see relationships reconciled, families mended. We could expect some life-changing things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The very fruit of the Spirit transform us from the inside out. Who couldn't use more of that? I believe God wants the Spirit in you to transform you, to empower you, to lead you into a life unimaginable by your strength. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and be at work in our lives. May I pray a prayer over us today? Would you hold your hands open as an act of receiving right where you are? Come, Holy Spirit. Would you break into our lives in ways we can't yet imagine? God, would you open us up to the person and the presence and the power of your Spirit at work in this world and in us and through us, would you do what only you can do? God, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and we ask for more dependence on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.